0: To the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: yeah! welcome. Four, three, two, one. Water.
0: My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet, hockey was my drug. but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19 year old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior, where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever. And I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightnings organization. and made some major changes. This is my story. Is emergency? Someone overdosed? What's the address? I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Leszczynski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Levold, and I've been to hell and back. This is The Road to Recovery. Warrior. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 18. Hockey to Helen Back. You can hear it in the lyrics. Try this, tried that. Fuck did I try everything? Uh, but hey, coming up on one year clean off everything except for cannabis and psilocybin. Holy shit. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself. Uh, this is the furthest I've gone ever in my recovery journey. Uh, the longest since I was 21, uh, sorry, 23, I guess, uh, 23, 11 months I made it to, and I'm past that mark. I'm like 11 and three quarters, baby. Let's go. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to the one year I never thought I would, and it feels so good. So thank you for sharing this last year with me guys it's been a fucking wild ride excuse my language i'm really trying to tone down the swearing but i'm excited um sometimes you just gotta let it out you know you just gotta let out however you're feeling can you check out the new shirt i'm all twisted here puck addiction that's how i feel about my addiction puck addiction we got bob probry we got Proby right in here can you see it All of our Puck Support stuff. Where is it? Has a name in it. One of the men or women we've lost. We're going to do a full launch here in a couple of days. I thought I was picking up the hats today. I'm a little disappointed, to be honest. But the guy says they're going to be ready on Friday. So you're going to be able to pick all this stuff up on PuckSupport.com. Proceeds are going to go back into our mental health and addiction fund, which is going to be uh seen over by sandra murray and uh whatever team she decides to build around her with that that uh we leave that to the professionals guys um i'm just a i'm just a soldier here uh trying to change lives uh so we're trying to iron out all the details um partnering with the probert family hopefully which is super exciting uh and i have something special for danny and the kids that we're gonna send out real soon i was gonna i was gonna reveal it but I'll keep, I think I'll keep it for a surprise and let them show it off. Uh, I'm not very good with surprises, guys, but we're going to get right into this episode. Otherwise, I'm going to keep talking. But before we do, of course, you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Team Issued Limited. And if you missed the last episode, check this out. Thanks, Regan. That guy's the best in the business. Shout out to Regan Bartell out there in Kelowna and to all the Kelowna Rocket family. You can see I got this side. I'm always backwards. I got the Kelowna jersey behind me now, Swift Current rookie jersey on the right. Um, Those two teams mean the most to me uh, out of anywhere that I played. And that certainly means a lot to me, Regan, that you stepped up and did that. Because as you guys know, Team Issues, owned by a former Kelowna Rocket as well. So Jesse loved that as well. Thank you so much, Regan. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more talking at the end. Um, there is some exciting things that happen. Before we do get into the episode, I'm just going to share a quick story. I, I was going to save it to the end, but yesterday I got. I was seriously thinking about stopping the podcast and it's, you know, I just feel like maybe the market's a little saturated, whatever, but at the end of the day, it saved my life, and yesterday, I realized that maybe it's a little more far-reaching than I originally thought, and that's not to say a lot of people haven't reached out, but yesterday, I got a message uh, from a young man that just recently graduated high school saying that uh, he, he identified in my story and that he was going down a little bit of a dark path, um, and just about 20 minutes ago, my phone rang, and it was him. I gave him my number, and He told me that he didn't really like to talk to people, but, you know, he he stumbled across my Instagram page and looked through and and felt that, you know, I might be a guy that he can connect with. So I'm going to start crying if I don't stop talking. It's pretty cool. So there's something working here. So we keep going, guys. Thank you so much for all your support. And to Buddy, I'm not going to use his name. Listen, man, you know, I hope I can help you as much as you just helped me in the last 24 hours, guys. You know how this works. We'll see you in a few minutes, guys.
1: Winner and fought 6-6 Stu Grimson and 6'6 Mike Peluso in Chicago Stadium. Toughest ring to play in. I got the game winner with LA and fought the two heavyweights and did good in both fights. Actually, Peluso beat me. Grimson, I probably beat. After the game, I'm a star in the game and I'm on cloud nine taking our equipment off. And all of a sudden the trainer goes, Hurry up, hurry up, bus leaves. We gotta head to Detroit my heart went through my chest you know why because tomorrow night i got to fight bob probert and joy kosher my glory was done in seven minutes eight minutes i was the star now i got to think of going into joe louis arena i ended up fighting the guy that died mark pot then okay but that's the life of an enforcer now if you've had the time to look up my career i was on 50 goal paces in the american hockey league 25 goals in 41 games and the second best league in the world. world's pretty good isn't it But guess what, as soon as I got the call to the NHL, it was tap on the shoulder, go out and protect Gretzky, whatever. The NHL boys gave me my real purpose in life to help young people like yourselves. But really, one above you as hockey players is when I can go into a house and help a 14-year-old girl who's addicted to crack cocaine save her and her family's life. You don't know this, I do many interventions behind the scenes.
0: When you hear the word addiction, what is it that you think of? Do you think of cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, crystal meth? Do you think of a homeless guy in the street? Do you think about somebody locked away in jail? Because when I think of addiction, I think of all of these things. I think of my life and where I was, the absolute sheer misery, absolute hell. I talk about it all the time on my podcast about my struggles, and I often mention the struggles of others, those we have lost, and those that are still with us. No matter how you look at it, addiction is prevalent, and it's not going anywhere. And when I say it's not going anywhere, I mean it's not going anywhere in the hockey community. Throughout my addiction, and certainly when I was homeless, there was countless times when I would think to myself, when is somebody going to come rescue me? I would dream about the day when the Intervention Canada team would show up to hopefully save my life. Well, I can tell you that never happened. It was actually the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and later the Ontario Provincial Police that would save my life. Without question, if I didn't get arrested, I'm not here today. Addiction is a scary topic, and it should be, but it's one that is not talked about enough and one that people like to sweep under the rug. Just recently. I was directed to a guy by the name of Jim Thompson. I knew that he had played in the NHL and was a former professional hockey player. But what I didn't know is just how unbelievable of a human Jim Thompson really is. Jim Thompson was born in Edmonton, Alberta, but never played in the Western Hockey League. After a 78-goal season in Junior B, he made the jump to the OHL, where he played for the Toronto Marlboros for three seasons before being drafted by the Washington Capitals in the 1984 NHL entry draft. Thompson turned pro in 84-85 and got his first call to the NHL in 1986-87 with the Washington Capitals. Jim would spend parts of the next seven seasons between the NHL and the AHL, even making a stop with the LA Kings, where he got to play alongside his idol, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. It's really what Jim does off the ice that has my attention and also got the attention of many others. He made headlines in 2011 when he was one of the first ones to stand up to say there was no place for fighting in hockey, which sparked a wild controversy between himself and Don Cherry you will always get countless opinions whether fighting has a place in hockey or not. But my question is this, how many people can actually say they played in the NHL and played there and had to fight other guys in front of thousands of people, putting their face and bodies on the line night after night? I think a lot of people are just scared to go against the culture of hockey. I mean, nobody wants to be the one to say fighting should be out of hockey, but Jim Thompson did it, and he said it for the right reasons. Above all, Jim Thompson stood up when we had those tragedies in 2011 to say, enough is enough. And just like his character on the ice, he didn't shy away or back down from anybody off the ice either. Over the last 30 years, Jim has not only been coaching kids and teaching them how to be the best versions of themselves on and off the ice, what really impresses me is his work away from hockey. He plans and executes drug interventions, giving hope to individuals and families to get their lives back on track. In my eyes, this is Jim Thompson's biggest achievement of all. Sure, he has all of the hockey accolades. But when you do your research like I have, and you uncover the man that Jim Thompson is, he's somebody that I truly look up to and hope that I have a chance to learn from directly. He is now the owner of the Aurora Tigers Junior A Hockey Club, and he's giving back not only to his team, but to countless aspiring junior and professional hockey players alike. Away from hockey, Jim has been traveling North America with his organization, Dreams Come True, where he's been able to inspire men and women of all ages. His list of volunteer accolades seems to be endless. He is so involved in trying to lift up those around him and even people that he doesn't know. At the end of the day, Jim Thompson is a first-class human being. He has a story and he's sharing it with others so that others' lives can improve. Over the past couple of days, I've been thinking about what my life would have been like if Jim Thompson would have known of my story when I was in my addiction. But we don't live in the past. Hopefully him and I can connect and start to change the lives of others together. I have so much respect and admiration for this man and I can't wait to get to know him more. So without further ado, from Aurora, Ontario, Jim Thompson. Wow,
1: that's impressive.
0: Thank you for that beautiful
1: introduction. Hey, man, you deserve it. You're quite the guy, Jim. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank you for having me, Brady. And before we get going, congratulations on coming up on a year. I'm going into year 13. I remember my first year and it will go real fast, my friend. And just stay with it. Believe in it. And as we both know, stay sober. That's right. Gifts will fall from the sky and life will be great. I appreciate that.
0: And congratulations. I actually heard you on, uh, I think it was uh, one of the, uh, the the radio announcer for another team. You're on his podcast recently, uh, I believe. And you shared that you were celebrating 13 years. So congratulations. I knew that I was going to bring it up later, but Hey, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned it, man. And um, very kind of you to say those things. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I look at you as, you know, super kind and generous for, for everything that you're doing, you know, for, for people, you know, and, and those that you don't, and uh, you have quite the story as well. And, and we're going to get into that. Uh, but yeah, you know what, this, this first year has gone by fast and I, I don't anticipate uh, slowing down anytime sooner. I just want to address something too. Like I want I didn't, I haven't really told many people this, but just to tell everybody listening, cause I know they, I talk about different things like cannabis and stuff. I've I've like reduced my cannabis intake by probably, I'm not exaggerating at like three to four hundred percent. Like you know, where yeah, like where this past year I was literally living beside a bong, like hitting the bong all day. But I mean, it was to me, those were little victories because I wasn't sticking a needle in my arm. I wasn't trying to live anybody else's recovery or anything like that. I was very transparent with what I was doing for to people. Uh, but I'll tell you what, in the last, you know, certainly three weeks man, I I'm just really smoking, smoking a little bit of weed at night and I'm trying to cut that out too. So, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, it's, it's been a process, Jim, and I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit more about your story. Uh, but tell me a little bit before we get into the serious stuff, tell me about making the jump from, you know, from Alberta to the OHL and how you were received as a player out there, because, you know, I've heard you talk little bits about it, but what was that like for you? And, 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 you know, was it a good experience all around? I mean, obviously you get to play in the NHL, so hell, it was a great experience. But did you suffer from
1: any you know, hardships out there? Did you just roll with it and enjoy it? So what happened, Brady, was this. When I was 14, I got invited to the Calgary Wranglers training camp, which is now the Calgary Hitman. And what happened in the West back then is if you got invited to their summer camp, they had to invite you back to keep you protected. I never got invited back. So my uncle... Um, Jim Regan who lived in Markham unbeknownst to me obviously growing up in a trailer park starting to smoke dope and drink when I was 12 the best hockey player but was completely going the wrong way so my father took me to visit my aunt and uncle in Markham and my uncle said bring bring a skate so what happened was we went down I skated with the midget triple-a team in Markham And they could see that I could skate, play, and what have you. And then the Toronto Marlboros, who my uncle knew, Frank Benello, who was the general manager, came out when I went back home. I was playing in a small town called Devon. And they came to scout me and invited me to the Toronto Marlboro Marlboro training camp the following year. And I started the season there, got sent down to the Markham Waxers, and then played uh, two more years and, you know, went from there. But like yourself you can identify or relate to this you know i i was i was out of control as a young man i got a job when i was nine in the trailer park we had no money like when i tell people watch the trailer park boys that's how we grew up and uh so when i when i got uh a job timekeeping i had money in my pocket so i was buying marijuana and i was we were drinking a champagne called baby duck in grade eight getting stoned every day and one day I said, you know what, that's it. And I came home, told my mom I want to quit school, take correspondence, and, um, and train at the rink every day. And She allowed me to do that. And, you know, obviously 10 years of pro hockey, six NHL teams later, it was a move that I made. And, uh, uh, that's how how I feel about that. You know, how, how awesome is that,
0: that, you know, what your mom was able to see that, you know, you were, you were going to focus on something else, you know, and that, that wasn't working. And, and how awesome is it for you to, to step up and take that initiative, but hearing a little bit about how you've been in the past, these past few years as an adult doesn't really surprise me because you, you kind of speak your mind and and stick up for yourself, don't you? And and I think that's an important lesson that people need to learn. I think like, I know for me, Jim, like I got pushed around a lot, my life, like not so much on the ice or obvious I could fight and stuff, but like emotionally and and just never felt like, you know, I was important and just trying to be somebody else. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear, you know, your mom let you go after that dream and, and how cool is it that you achieved it? So, you know, it's an interesting story. It's not like that now, You're like having to uh, get protected and now there's the drafts and everything else uh, quite a bit different for kids now, but nonetheless, you got the experience uh, to go to the OHL and, and arguably, the best most talented league out of the three and i hate to say that because i'm a western league boy but you look at the number one picks over the years and they all seem to come out of the ohl and i'm starting to think jim it's because they got outdoor rinks here man how lucky are these kids that they could
1: skate every day out here
0: but i mean you had that in alberta too did you not
1: well we did when we when i was young there was no rinks we skated on ponds and uh you know, uh, outside the trailer park, there was all types of, you know, frozen ponds and we go clear them off and away we went, but then outdoor rinks, my very first year of hockey Brady, I played on an outdoor rink and it's a great story. I love to tell people. So a team from Onaway, which was about an hour away, made the trip to play us and it started snowing so heavy that the game should have been canceled, but all these people are there and you know, it's good old Alberta hockey, the parents said, the ref said, I'll stay. And we were down, I think I was playing mites. We're down on this end and the parents, the fathers would jump over the boards and shovel as much snow off the ice until the play came back. And I'll never forget it. And It was just the most amazing memory of no, how we were playing hockey back in the day. And we got the game in and, uh, but yeah, we, we played on outdoor rinks at the start and uh, that's how it all started.
0: Well, isn't that cool where the dream starts, right? And, and yeah. have those stories and must've been pretty cool when you, you know, all of a sudden you're in the OHL and then you're drafted to the Washington Capitals. Was that, a, was that something that you were expecting? Um, or, or was that a surprise? Uh, and how did that, you know, how did that make you feel the day when you got the call, you know, hearing that your name got called and you got drafted? Cause that's a huge achievement.
1: It is. It's a story I tell all the kids I work with or that are up for the draft, either in the OHL or the NHL. So I was supposedly rated third to fifth round. That's before the Europeans were included, right? So once you add all the Europeans in, you start dropping, as we know. So anyways, we had a party at my mom's trailer, and it was I'll never forget. I'm the youngest of 10 kids, so the place was jammed. And we had this board like the Super Bowl, you know, who's going to pick them and whoever picked them and picked that square got the money. Make a long story short, it started at 3 in the afternoon. They showed the first three rounds on TSN back then and then they shut it off. So no call, no call. And the only two people left from the party were my mom and my best friend Dave Matthews. And at nine, I think it was 9.15, my mom had an old rotary pink phone, I'll never forget a baby pink phone. And ding, ding, you know, and I'm 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 devastated, meaning, you know, I'm embarrassed. I had this party, I'm supposed to be drafted. So I just picked up the phone, figuring it was somebody else saying, did you get drafted yet? And it was the late Jack Button from the Washington Capitals and said, Jim Thompson. I said, yes. He said, this is Jack Button. He said, we just selected you with our ninth pick. Congratulations. Welcome to Washington. I'm going to tell you something. It's a feeling I'll never forget because just the whole dream, you know, I'm sitting in a mobile home out in a trailer park and looking at my surroundings going, I can't believe this, right? So when you ask me that question, it, it makes my hair stand up, just the feeling that I had with my mom and my friend that day.
0: No kidding. And you know what? It almost makes it a little more special that you can – there he is right there, right?
1: Craig Button. It's the guy. Craig yeah. Button's father. So for the people out there watching the NHL now, um, Craig Button. And uh, I actually sent Craig a message the other night. Yeah. So I'm watching him on TV. And in the back, if you watch in the back, he's got his uh, cam. I'll just show you here. Hold on. So when I was with the Kings, when you win the Campbell Conference, they give you a trophy. So next time you see Craig Button, he's got all these trophies. He's got a Stanley Cup like this. He's got a couple of conferences. I think he's got a Wales but anyways, he hasn't an, – if you look at that, you got to shine it every month because it gets dark from, from – right? It's silver. Yeah. So I sent him a message that said, Craig, great job, but Jack would not be happy if he saw your trophies black right now, right? He sent me a message back, Brady, saying, good point. He goes, I'll, I'll clean them up. So I'm waiting for the next time I see him on TV to get them cleaned up. That's awesome. That's
0: too funny. What that see? It's, is not that the, uh, excuse me. Isn't that the great thing about hockey, the relationships we make over the years and and it just seems like we know somebody everywhere and the little, just a little details. Like, you know what I mean? You pull that trophy out. How cool is that? Bring that out again. Show that again. So
1: when you, when we beat the Leafs in 93 in game seven, (laughs) (laughs) which Gretzky claims was his greatest game in the NHL. That's right. Um then you know we got uh everybody gets a trophy from that should have a stanley cup too but that didn't work out yeah
0: well i've heard other people say that as well over the years but hey you know what you have look at you have that trophy and the memories and you got you got to play with wayne gretzky and i mean that must be the topic that everybody wants to touch on and this you know i want to get into a little bit of the the other stuff too but uh, touch on wayne and just you know i think people sort of think they know how great of a guy this, this guy was off the ice. Like we know he was a great player on the ice, but everything that I'm hearing, and I've never had the pleasure to meet Wayne Gretzky, but I'll tell you what, I listened to you speak about him and the, and the people that, a few people that I know that have actually met him and know him. And it, it just seems like, how can somebody that great be even better off the ice?
1: I always say this is he was a better father and person off the ice than he was on the ice. And what made him special is he would come into the dressing room or if there was a dinner or if he was doing something, he wasn't going, inviting Yeri Curry, Paul Coffey, Marty McSorley. He invited all of us fourth liners, myself, you know, Mike Donnelly, uh, John McIntyre. And what he was really special at was bringing everybody up to feel the same, you know, and, and I, and I played on, you know, for 10 years, I met a lot of people in my time. And not because he's, you know, my idol and the greatest player to ever play. This is what I'll always take from Wayne, you know, um, post-career. I was in NASCAR for a couple of years, and we were going to Phoenix. And he's invited me me and the driver over to his house for dinner. Um, he had a friend there. His name was Jimmy. He said, take Jimmy to the races, take care of him. But it's just the way he was. It wasn't anything about, you know, trying to be something. He's just a good Canadian boy, brought up great by his parents in Brantford, as we know, but just just a genuine person. And you know what? There's a very good lesson here. And
0: I think this goes this goes beyond pro. And I think this is something that young kids, if you're watching this show and, and you have a, a kid or maybe you're in junior or even minor hockey, remember this. Remember what he said because it, there's something to that. If I remember being on teams and being, you know, a young guy and, you know, essentially a fourth line guy when I'm a rookie there for a bit, whatever. And you feel like you're not included. And when you feel mm-hmm. like you're not included, fuck, I didn't even want to go to the rink some days. So, yeah. and then you wonder why his teams were always so great. It's because everybody was being lifted up and there's no segregation. And I think if you're a coach, anybody listening, take that, take that and run with it and encourage all your players to always and I know people always think of that but I mean like really monitor that like even in a junior dressing room like in the WHL like if I'm if I'm a coach ever like I'm monitoring that and if I don't have a core group of guys that is doing that like the older guys aren't bringing those younger I'll get rid of them like see you later like I don't have time for that because it's gonna filter out onto the ice but more importantly what it does is it filters out away from the rink when when players are going home and sitting by themselves I remember calling my dad like wanting, I was so mentally ill at my first year Swift Current. Calling him, going, I'm taking this. I'm literally had a bottle of Tylenol. I mean, back I, I got a little more extreme over the years. But at 17, you know, I didn't really know anything. I was cutting myself. I got scars oh. on my arm right here. Like I'm cutting myself. I got a bottle of Tylenol. I'm like, Dad, I'm taking this whole bottle of Tylenol just because I was so I had so much anxiety about going to the rink because I was being honestly I was being bullied a little bit, and it's not it's not anybody's coach's fault or whatever it was it's more or less the team like the older guys on that team so before we go any further I just want to really highlight that and based on my personal experience like I wish I would have had you know uh, somebody when I was a young kid in junior young first year pro to just come in and make sure that I was doing all right and lift me up and make sure everybody else is doing all right and I feel like when I was in Kelowna um, you know, myself and James McEwen, we did such a good job with that, with the, with the young guys, we didn't have any fines, which some guys didn't agree with. We didn't, you know, we, we weren't hard on the rookies really at all. Like we didn't like initiate them at the parties and force them to drink or nothing because I had, I'd gone through all that. And I was like, and James had gone through all that. And like, we were like, nah, no, like, you know, and we didn't win no championship or anything, but they went on the next year to win the entire Western hockey league yeah, and yeah. I've had, and I've had multiple guys on that team come back and tell me that, cause James actually got hurt. He got stepped on and he, uh, in a fight, like cut, like all his tendons it was the worst, second worst injury I've ever seen in hockey. When he came to the bench, awesome. it was crazy. Awesome. But so he was out. So I kind of had to step up and I've had multiple guys be like, Hey, I know we didn't win when you were there, but you had a big reason, big part to do with why, Why win? Because I showed these guys the way. It wasn't just me. It was Chris Westblom and and McEwen. But I just wanted to – that's kind of off topic. But what you – it just – it's so important, Jim, isn't it?
1: You know, I was very fortunate in junior hockey to have great teammates that weren't hazers. You know, the extent of us getting, uh, um, you know, hazed in in, with the Toronto Marlies was – you know just nothing. I can't even say like our leadership group was was you know Luke Iriaco um, uh, Tri- Triano, Jeff Triano, these guys were complete uh, good people. So when I hear these stories Brady about the hazing and what went on and tying the stuff up in the bathroom and I don't even want to get into it, I was blessed and moving on to a guy like Gretzky there's no there's no initiation. You know, he's probably one of the first ones to say, you know how you're going to uh, pay us veterans, rookies, buy us a dinner. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. Right. And that he, back then, that, that was in the eighties that he changed the scope or he had a big part in changing that scope. Cause anybody who's, who's um, you know, anybody who's, I'm just going to say this bluntly, a good person and has morals are not going to put a young man through a bunch of, you know, tragic situations. I was so fortunate I didn't have to go through that. And then moving on, you know, I wasn't the guy to sit there and, you know, you got shaved in that. It was it was nothing, you know. American Hockey League, my initiation, I tell people, they're like, are you kidding me? But it, they didn't hurt me. So they shaved me. So they put hot cream on me. It's not a big deal. Like that's pro hockey. But to do some of the things that went on in the past certainly aren't happening t- today. But, yeah, it's devastating. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I'll tell every player that tragically had to go through those experiences and who got pushed out of hockey because of that.
0: Yeah, and, and I honestly did. That's why I literally walked away from the team when I was 17. I'm not kidding. Every single paycheck I got my 17-year-old year, the, the older guys would just take it. They'd be like, they were fining me actually more than my paycheck. So I was oh, actually having to take money from my dad just to pay fines so that they could go drink and go do whatever the hell they were going to do, which I was never included to go yeah. to do with them except yeah. for the one night we had the rookie party in which they wanted to embarrass me and and do everything else and make me drink like here chug this beer and it's like all their chew spit whatever just That's sit awesome. yeah That's like awesome. anyway, just, we don't to get into the hazing that could be for another time yeah. when i want to sort of get into like you know you've come out with your story um yeah. that you you battled obviously 13 years it's amazing when when did you notice, I mean, you talked to early that you, you were doing it at a young age, but when did you really notice that, like, hey, maybe I have a problem? Um, was it happening while you were playing hockey? Did it happen more after you retired?
1: So what happened with me was I stopped at 14 and quit doing everything. Obviously, became very serious about hockey, Made junior hockey, which you know how tough that is. And then I flirted. So in the summertime, Brady, I was I trained. I was really serious about being in shape, being strong. But I love to have a beer, and I like to party. Right? I was bred into me by my bloodlines. Both of my parents were alcoholics. They both died alcoholics. Um, You know, my brothers were into drugs, um, and you just grow up with it. You know, you see it. You grow up with it. You do it. So, you know, for me. I flirted during my career. Okay. And I'm not going to sit on this podcast and tell you I didn't party. I party. And anybody who played with me will know how serious I was. And they'll also know that when a Friday night we're done playing, I'd love to go to the bar and get drunk and do whatever. My post career is when I unraveled with Oxycontin. Uh, I respect what you say. It was the You know, it was the worst drug I ever did. It was the worst pain I ever went through in my life. And I broke my back and shattered my heel, you know, 12 operations through my career. The worst pain, Brady, I ever did was detoxing from OxyContin. I was eight days in bed. Um, But, you know, the the crack cocaine, all that stuff, you know, like you, I never shot a needle. Thank goodness. And uh, my post career, I was in the black hole, contemplated suicide three times, you know, because I was a loser. Um, I'm I'm going to help you with one thing today. I, you know, when I smoked dope, I was a dope. And I say this to all people, even though marijuana is uh, legalized now, you can't function. You can't be successful when you're stoned because you got all these bright ideas going on in your head. You got no energy. You got no motivation to do anything. And the, and the ideas go and you're sitting there going, that was a great idea, but you got no no energy and uh wherewithal to make it happen and i i i'll say this to you being drug free for as long as i am i get up early i work out every day i got the energy i'm 55 years old and i feel like i'm 30 and and it's because of the way i live now so you know if i can inspire you today get off marijuana because you will your production and your uh success will will go faster you know, we talk about those little gifts falling down. You got to be sober, and smoking yeah. dope is not being sober. So right. I'm not here to lecture you. I'm here to help oh, no, you. So. I I absolutely hear you on that one, and it's something that I've
0: I've honestly I've been thinking a lot about. And to be and I mean honestly, if you look at what I've accomplished in the last couple weeks it's you know yeah it's great like i mean i've done a lot in the last year but as you're saying that i'm going what man i could be a lot further ahead if i didn't waste so much time doing that but at the same token um i may like i think it, it helped but i'm at that point now where like i'm i'm focused like i don't need that outlet like i don't I don't need to escape right now because I'm getting a natural high off what I'm doing because I'm enjoying my life, like seriously. And like you know, I started skating again on the outdoor rink and all that. It's snowing so much and it was so. You
1: got got good hands. I watched. You got good hands. I can't. I can't do that backhand flip. That's (laughs) good stuff.
0: Uh, It's coming back slowly, but I mean, it's it's been so much fun. But I mean, I don't even have a second to to think about you know, wanting to escape. And now it's just breaking that habit. And I'm so so close. It was like three days in a row where I didn't smoke any at all. So it was actually, which was a huge victory for me. Right. But, you know, so I think maybe what I'll shoot for as I'm sitting here today, maybe I will try to stop smoking weed on my, on my one year of being off the hard stuff. Maybe I'll start an actual, uh, you know, stop in that. We'll see, uh, see how it goes. Uh, You know, I'm at the end of the day, like, I I'm pretty proud of myself, Jim, for once in my life. And it feels great. And I'm super proud of you, man. Like 13 years, that's incredible. And you, like, that's something, you're somebody that I look up to huge, like huge. So when, when was the ultimate decision for you to be like, you know what is enough? Is enough.
1: That's a great question. So I Theo flurry, you know, I send him messages. He, he had a golf tournament in uh, Bellevue. And I took my son there. And we bought his book and we got it signed. And the one part that stood out to me, and I didn't talk to him about my recovery there because it wasn't the place, was when he said he surrendered. And it always sticks out to me. And every time I, you know, I'll shoot Theo a message, you know, I, I, I talked to a group today and I brought up that line again, you know, the surrender. So going to rehab and and understanding the, how many nights after smoking crack all night and Oxycontin to come down off it, my heart beating out of my chest, thinking yeah. I was going to die that night. And then, you know, you you wake up in the morning when you go to sleep for a couple hours. And then you said, that's it. And then, you know, two nights later, you got, I was a guy that once I had a couple beer, I was phoning my drug dealer, right? So my point is, is this, I wanted to quit, or I said, I'm going to quit a million times. And it was on a trip to Edmonton. I went home to, uh, I was actually working for a company and did some business. And I got real loose there for two days. And it was my son's birthday, my son Jonathan's birthday, 12 years ago, November 17th. And I was flying back. And you never know when it's the time. Yeah. And I was real calm, Brady. And I was on that flight. I got off the flight and I got things going through my head. And I got home. I was living on my own. I've gone through a divorce at this point. You know, blew up my family because of who I was. And I poured everything out. I threw everything out. You know, and I just sat there calmly and one day led into two days and two days led into 12 years and 12 years now going into my 13th year. And I surrendered and I tell Theo that all the time. I didn't know it was happening. It was just a calm, non-anxious, nothing. And I said, I surrender to this disease and that's how it happened for me and I, I tell you this all the interventions i'm doing right now it's a busy time because of covid yeah. people people are going crazy which i you know it's just terrible out there right now but i'll tell a family you know they can go person can go to rehab but if they're not ready to become sober and straighten their life out it doesn't matter because you can go spend $25,000 they come out and a week later they're back with the same people as you know from your upbringing you know your lifestyle which is a powerful story, they're going to keep using. And, you know, I, I've taken people, you know, I've watched people go three, four times. And it's really sad because the parents are burning their hard-earned money, trying to save their kid's life, but they're not ready. They're not ready. So I surrendered on that day, November 17th, and that was it for me.
0: Well, that's amazing. And, and it's, yeah. didn't, like it's not easy, but you know what? Sometimes it can't be forced gym and it and it's it's a it's a very powerful statement when you surrender and you know what I've you know I've been thinking about this a lot lately too I do a lot of praying and and different things uh because there's been like for me to not believe that there's something else going on here like I feel like it's not me doing some of the stuff that I'm doing it's it's unexplainable at times um But having to surrender and say, you know what, and just cut the shit, I think getting honest for me was the biggest thing. I was always trying to make excuses of why I needed to keep doing this or why I needed to keep doing that. Or it's this person's fault or that person's fault or whatever excuse I could use. Um, And I would even lie to myself and say I was ready. Okay, I'm going to quit this time. I'm ready. I'm going to quit this time. And I knew I was lying to myself, but I didn't want to be lying to myself but that's a good point. And you know what parents, if you're listening out there, you know, and my dad too, like, you know, tried and tried, but there's nothing anybody can do except for that individual. And then once that individual takes the appropriate steps, we can certainly, or people around them can give them those supports and lead them in the right direction. But it
1: really ultimately comes down to the individual, doesn't it? It does. And I'm not laughing I'm because you and I know what you're talking about, you know, and, uh, it's it's a it's a sad sad thing for families to have to go through, um, you know. You've heard me say this before, Brady. The NHL was not my calling. The NHL gave me a foundation to do what I'm doing now. And when I can go and attempt or or succeed in helping a family save their loved one, it's like scoring an NHL goal. And I'm telling you the the, you know, when I get messages and I get you know. I've been doing this for a while now and, and you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's the best thing that you're ever gonna go through. And people, you know, ask me this, that, or whatever. And I said, There's nothing else in my life to do than show peace, show love, and help. Like what else can I do? I I you know, I have to give what I can give to to yeah. what I know. And you know this. Yeah. You have to be in the black hole to help somebody, right? So you know, there will be a time where you're going to, you're, I hear the young man you're talking about, what your experience and what you can tell that young man of how not to screw your life up. Listen to me. It's the most rewarding thing in my life at 55 now is, is just helping people.
0: That's right. Service work is so important. Giving back, giving back without expecting something in return. And I made a video about this the other day. Just being grateful, obviously, is is a huge one. and something that I try to practice in everything that I'm doing. And I'm doing a pretty good job at it. But I mean, I still have moments where, you know, I get a little pity party going on here for a few minutes, but I snap out of it a lot quicker than I used to. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but I'll tell you, service work, being of service to others, your community, Anytime I've ever really truly felt happy truly is when I'm, you know, giving back at at any capacity. Has that been true for you?
1: It's, it's my DNA now, you know, I've been, like I said to you, I've been really busy on the phone, talking people out of suicide, all kinds of stuff. You have no idea. You do have an idea, but you know, yesterday I had a long day because I was, I was, dealing with so many people through this awful time with COVID that, you know, people are blowing up their businesses uh, or they're not the, you know, their businesses are being shut down. They're turning into drug addicts, alcoholics, uh, you know, spousal abuse, uh, divorces up, all these bad things going on. So I'm blessed to be able to be part of it and help people. But I'll tell you what, it's, 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 it's real. It's real. And we, we, the service that you talk about, what else can we do? Like to me, what, you know, I I just try to help and do the best I can to help somebody be happier. It's very important to me. You know, when I have my best days, Brady is when I know that I'm making a difference in somebody's life. Yeah.
0: And and it's the same thing for me. And because when I, I've noticed a lot too, and uh, this is, it has to be true for everybody. And if it's not, I, I feel honestly sorry for people, but when you, when you're in those moments of service and giving back, you know, it, it can be pretty, it's its a very good feeling. You make another person feel good, yeah. but it is so self-rewarding and it's not like you're getting anything material-wise or anything. It is so much more to that, Jim. And I told this story to people in the past of being literally, this is a true story, sitting on this, the street in H- on Hastings, you know, sticking a needle in my arm at like 536 in the morning, right in front of the safe injection site. And people are going by on Hastings, busy street, downtown Vancouver. It's crazy. Wow. You've been there, right? You've seen it,
1: right? You've seen Hastings. Where is that? In Vancouver. Like the I I, I, I played there, but I wouldn't know, but oh I'm listening. God, your, your, your story is making me shiver, but yeah, keep going. it's so bad, but like there's, literally thousands i'm not
0: exaggerating thousands of homeless people in a 10 block radius all doing the same thing and i'm sitting there and it was like 6 in the morning and i i see all these people going to work and you know they look they didn't look happy to me and i remember sitting there going like why would i ever like what is out there for me anyways like i'm looking at everybody that's not doing what i'm doing and they looked they didn't look very happy and I mean obviously it was early in the morning but that was where my mindset was at was like I had no gratitude I had no hope uh, I didn't see people I didn't see trees I didn't see the sky I didn't see anything like all I saw was just drugs and darkness and it just it just debilitated my entire life and I feel you know really sorry for the people that are struggling right now I've lost a friend since covid to overdose and Uh, Back in the springtime when it first happened and these things are more prevalent now than ever before and You know, there's people like Jim that have a ton of experience that are out there helping people. And I'll remind people that I'm available most times. If I'm not, I will get back to you as as quickly as I can. Um, And if you do need direct support, you can get at Sandra, Sandra at PuckSupport.com. She's a licensed professional and one of the best people I know. Hello to Sandra. I know you're watching. Maybe for a couple minutes, we got a lot of comments coming in. So let me get to these, Jim, just for a second. (laughs) Excuse me. We got a couple comments coming in way earlier. Sandra was saying, hello folks. Uh, great job, Brady. Thank you for allowing us to follow you on your recovery journey. We have our friend Ryan Phillips hopping on. He says, Jimmy is one of the most solid humans that I know. His message is so pure. Right on, Brady. Looking forward to sharing Big Jim's heart-centered knowledge. That was earlier in the show. Very well said. Hello, Ryan. We love you. Um and hope to talk to you soon. Oh, Sandra's saying hello to Ryan. They're talking on there, which is always nice. There's always little conversations going on, Jim. People yeah. get to connect on here. Um, Anthony's saying he wishes outdoor rinks and ponds in Australia. Um, it'd never probably be cold enough to there. Uh, Sandra saying, admire, uh, agree, admire the work that you, Brady, and Jim Thompson are doing. People making a difference is always exciting stuff. Um, athletes all over the world are awesome. Sandra, glad you love Aussies. Oh, he's from Australia. Hello to you down under, which is always cool. Um, Hey Ryan, good day from Tassie. Hope you're doing well, brother. Thanks for sharing the link on the Facebook, Ryan Phillips. Thank you for sharing the link. Ryan says, of course, two guys sharing their truth. Um, that that demeaning culture really needs to be removed from the sport i was lucky to have such good coaches early on and always made sure to pass on the message of respecting your teammates as i got older good for you we're going back and we'll still we'll go back to some comments later in the show but i want to get into uh your little feud with don cherry i know it's in the past but i want to commend you because i i'm a flip-flopper i've been a flip-flopper over the years i'm like no fighting fighting no fighting fighting because you know i at first i i I said, okay, well, fighting should be taken out and I'm getting ridiculed for it. Well, how can you say that? You were a fighter and this and that and you fought. Well, yeah, but that doesn't make make it right today if we we know these things and we have education on these things. And I saw a clip where, or a quote from you, Jim, that you said, like, why am I allowed to, uh, you know, bare knuckle fight? You, you said it to Gary Bettman, I believe. Bare knuckle fight in this arena that I call hockey where I, if I did it anywhere else, I would be thrown in jail. Those are essentially what you said. Um, how is your how is your st- your view on this changed since 2011 when it
1: first came out, if at all? It hasn't changed one bit, and it's it's like this. I I said this. I can only speak for me. And Stu Grimson and Chris Nyland got brought in innocently through a quote George LaRocque made that these guys are pukes, turncoats, and hypocrites, which Cherry told us on Hockey Night in Canada. They had nothing to do with it. So my view was about me living the under the pins and needles, the anxiety of which I, you, you know, in your introduction there, going in to fight Bob Probert, Joy Kosher, everywhere you went, my job, which I hated fighting, I was a goal scorer, but having four older brothers, you know, I learned protective instincts, whatever, whatever. I was good at what I did, Brady, and I ended up, accepting that role because that was going to achieve my, I'll say this to you. Washington said to me, the late Brian Murray, who I love, who gave me my opportunity, said, if you want to play on our team, you got to fight more. I had 41 fights the next year, hand operation, say no more. So I wasn't going to let anything stop me, even though I didn't like it. The anxiety, the drugs, the alcohol, the lifestyle was what I was talking about when I said it. Now, if you look back to John Corder, a friend of mine who yeah. died in that hotel room that night, cocaine, alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, steroids, whatever was in his system, okay? His heart blew up when the cops, you know, putting him in handcuffs all the way through to Derek Bugard. Where are the goal scorers? Where, where are the uh, penalty killers? It's all enforcers. It's all guys who lived this lifestyle. And, you know, Bob Probert, Danny, uh, and the kids, um, Bobby lived with me. We shot a movie called Love Guru, Mike Myers movie. And Bob would live with me uh, during the week of shooting, and then he'd go home to Windsor to the family. And this is the best quote I can give of Bob Probert. So we're sitting there one night, and Mm -hmm. I was telling him about how I hated it, you know, thinking I'd have to go into Detroit and see him and Joey Koshy. He goes, how do you think I felt, Jim? He said, Every time I went on the ice, there was some kid that wanted to prove themselves against the heavyweight champ. Now that's when I just sat back and go, Oh, that's to a, that's 10 times to the level I had to deal with. Okay. And I'm going to say this about Bobby, you know, anybody who knew him off the ice, he was the most gentle, you know, great, great guy, um, beautiful family. And I, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he was the best of all time. He was the toughest man to ever play the game in as far as bare knuckle fighting, hands down. But here's a guy that had to plow his way through junior, had to plow his way through pro hockey, knowing that every time he went on the ice, there was somebody going to challenge him. and And that's a tough way to live. So to answer this question, I changed nothing. We see the game now. You want to drop your – there's been fights. I think there's been six or seven fights already. Two guys get peed off at each other and want to drop their gloves. Let them fight. But guess what? Like every other sport, Brady, kick them out. You know, when we played, we could fight three times. The third one, you're being kicked out. Yeah. So the way I always said it, you don't have to take fighting out. If two guys want to fight, okay, they want to put bare knuckles on their on their brain and the concussions and all this stuff we, with the, we're finding out today, kick them out. That's the only thing I said. Want to fight? Fight. You can fight basketball, football, soccer, but if you do, out of the game. Yeah, there's there's consequences, and
0: I think that's fair. And I'll just say too that like my my as soon as I stepped foot in the WHL, same thing, three fights. My very first game in the WHL, I saw like I was playing on a line with uh, Ian White, who was a defenseman, but he just came back from injury, turned forward, just got back from the World Juniors. Like he he was unreal. He centered me, and I was on the wing, and the other guy' his name was Bryn Brooks. No disrespect to his skill level, but probably on the lower end skill level I'd ever seen in my entire WHL career. Hell of a guy. He had three fights that game and out. That's my first game in the WHL. And actually, Ian White scored one goal on his own net by accident and was a clapper bar down, by the way, trying to clear the puck out of the net. Plus, he scored two on their net. And it was just crazy. Another guy scored from the red line bar down. I was the most eventful game I ever played in my entire life. And I'm 16 years old, sitting on the bench going, Holy shit. Like three fights. Like, cause I was coming from junior B one fight. You're out. And I'm like, this guy's still in the game. I had no idea that this was the rules. And that's kids, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. You're going to let them fight three times in a game. Uh, I I agree with you 100%. I think hockey, I think hockey certainly is a high intensity sport. Um, You you know, you're never going to take it out completely. Uh, Maybe you could if you really eradicated the rules, but I love it. I love your idea. Kick them out. They're going to lose games. They're going to lose bonuses. They're going to whatever. And at the end of the day, there's so much education out there and and things but i mean the nhl is still not saying that CT exists so like when are we gonna see any sort of rules change around that do you think or do you not want to go there
1: no i i'm it's it's there you know as you're talking i've i've had bringing him this year since louis de Bresse punched me so hard on the side of the head back in 19 i'm gonna say ninety one, ninety two. it's never left me I don't know what damage is done there. But that's a big man that planted his fist on the side of my head. And I've had ringing in my ear ever since. And it's going on right now. So as you're talking, we talk about the effects. Listen, when I die, I've donated my brain. Okay. I had a 100 documented 124 bare knuckle fights in my career. I don't know what damage it is. At 55, you know, we know we get older. Our memory's going a bit. But I'll tell you what. There's no need for it. I don't want to see a young kid on the ice, knocked out, bleeding from his mouth, bleeding from his head. There's no need for it. And I say this respectfully to the UFC. That is where fighting belongs. There are trained athletes to professionally fight. And if you want to see fighting, that's what you watch. You know, Tyson and uh, Roy Jones Jr., I love it. They're bringing boxing back. Um, But my point is, Brady, is this. In hockey, you want to fight, you're kicked out. Because I don't want to see you end up the way, you know, you, you, me, or all these other guys through um, this lifestyle. Tell, tell me, did I'm going to ask you the question. Did fighting take an effect on your lifestyle? 100% it did.
0: I'll tell you, if you really want to know the answer to that, I'll tell you what. It, it affected my lifestyle with all the concussions. And I never said I had a concussion because that was the mentality back then and probably even more so when you played. But I mean, I didn't, I would just keep fighting. I would, I, I would, I probably had, honestly, I don't even want to say how many concussions I think I had because people think I'm lying, honestly. And it's, you know, and then it transformed off the ice too because obviously it kicked me into a depression. I was telling Susan this. I'm, I'm in live from Susan Cook's basement, Harry Sinden's niece right now um, in Gravenhurst, Ontario. I forgot to say that in the intro. I usually do. Um, but tell her, tell her, Harry Sinden. Was one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, she's watching upstairs. She's probably yeah. smiling. So yeah, there's I'm I'm surrounded in front of me beside my my jerseys are here, but everything else is Boston Bruins in front of me. Everything is Bobby or Cam Neely's here yeah. and it's really cool. Um, but you yeah. know, it also affected my life because you want to know what if you watch any of my highlights, I was like, you know, quick to drop my gloves, quick to engage in a fight, quick to whatever. So guess what? When I go to jail and different things that people find. Now I got to fight in jail more because people found out I was a fighter. Now I'm in the drug world. People find out now they want me to do drug collections. They want me to do this. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I needed to find a purpose. So I did all those things, Jim, you know? And it almost, a lot of times that mentality of getting me that mentality where you could just go at somebody and fight them, it almost cost me
1: my life on more than one occasion. Let me put I, it that way. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm not going to get into this, but you know, I, I, too much alcohol. I'd be fighting Friday night and Saturday night at the bars. Right. My buddies all cheering me on. And why? Because, Ooh, I was a tough guy. I'm lucky I didn't die. I'm lucky back then it was, it was only fists. Today you get a knife in the belly. My point is there's no end result with violence. There's no good end result. And you know, Sadly, you had to go to jail to find that out, right? and yeah. and just there's no good end result. And I just I just don't want to see it in in our game of hockey. Yeah, we don't allow I'll just say this on my junior a team <laughs> we I, we didn't have a fight last year. We I think had won the year before. It's not our culture. You know, I'm sitting there as the owner. I like tough hockey. I like my big players. I like hard hitting, but no way, shape or form, do I want to see that player. Get hurt in my colors and and not a chance. No, you don't need to do it.
0: Yeah. And I love to hear that. And I wanted to get into that a little bit before we go. I think, uh, Jim, we're probably going to have to do this. Like you probably have a regular spot on the show if you want it. Cause I think people are really going to love this. And I, I but I want to talk before we're getting close to an hour. I mean, we don't have a time limit, but I try to keep it anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And I wanted to, you know, there's so many, so much more that I want to ask you. And I'm, I'm going to hopefully get to over the years that it's going to take me, but uh, I was really excited to hear that you got into coaching and uh, you know, you started, you know, your way in the GMHL and worked your way up till you eventually bought the Aurora Tigers. So how cool is that, that you're actually the owner of a junior franchise? Was that something that you had in the back of your mind um, or did it kind of fall in your lap?
1: Well, very good question. Uh, my wife and I have two boys that played and you know, in Junior A hockey, we were able to put a, an offer in on a team where both of our boys play was the Kanata Lasers out in the CCHL. We live in Aurora. I would have been traveling on Thursday, you know, five and a half hours to to my business, and I was prepared to do that. That fell through, thankfully, and a friend of mine owned the Tigers at the time. His name was Enrico Lisi. His son played. And his son was done, and I I mentioned it to him. He's like, No, I think I'm gonna keep the team a little longer. Two weeks later, he phoned me, he goes, Are you really interested? I said, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were we were very blessed to be five minutes away from the arena. It's been six years now. What again, what drives me is the love of hockey, Brady, as you know, but helping these kids get scholarships, helping these kids off the ice more so than on the ice to become good citizens. And I let, you know, I got a coaching staff. I got a great uh, GM and uh, Dermon Anderson, Jimmy Wells Jr. is my head coach. And I let these guys deal that with the boys. But I put my stamp on these kids when we pick them. I, I want to know the culture. I want to know that there's no chewing. There's no vaping. There's no drugs. There's no this, that, or not. Because I don't want your young son around six guys in the room that are out of control because you and I know how both of that goes under pressure. So our culture in Aurora, it, it has to be good. And that's where I take, get myself involved because of my experience to make sure we pick the right culture. Well, I think that's extremely important,
0: uh, and I, I think as a parent, I mean, that's where I'm sending my kid to play. When I hear the owner stepping up and and have you you have those experiences, Jim, and but to implement them into that culture, the no chewing, the no like that is a you know I could just imagine if there was no chewing on the team in Swift Current, like three quarters of the team would have been would have been gone. And the reason why I started chewing. It's because the other guys were doing it, you know what I mean. And I did it for ten years, and then I <laughs> go
1: ahead, go ahead. I say? why did I start drinking and smoking marijuana? Because both of my parents were alcoholics, right? And I looked, and you know, I thought, well, this is the way it is, and that, you know, you 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 do monkey see, monkey do.
0: It's so true, and and it it's yeah, and I love to hear that, and I mean, anybody that you know, why wouldn't like why why are guys like teams not? you know, doing this more often, or are they, is this, you're, you're involved sort of in the, in the governor's meetings there and stuff. Yeah. Is this a topic that comes up or is this something that you're doing internally just with your team? I
1: believe that each owner, we got 22 really good people as governors. Yeah, They're all business guys. And I look around that room and I know that they all have good culture and I would, we don't sit there and talk to you, let your players yeah. chew do you. let. I have to believe that we're all on the same page Yeah, and, and, you know, they run businesses, they're clean guys. They're really good guys. Like I said, and um, but you know, they know my stance because I talk about it. Like you said, I tell publicly, I don't want that in my culture. You know, I traded a player because he wouldn't stop vaping. And I, I you know, it was a really good hockey player, Brady. I'm like, please just, it's either you or this. And guess what? Okay. I stopped. Well, I got a call from the billet mom, one 30 in the morning. He's in the bathroom vaping. So he was on a he was on unfortunately uh, a new contract somewhere else and that's just the way it went. Yeah. And that habit. Those are the the decisions you make um
0: for the greater good of the team and this is the thing like it this is way for far reaching than just your dressing room. This is going to transfer into their lives as adults yeah. and everything else because they're going to develop habits right now that they're going to carry with them for the next maybe five years, good, bad, some, their rest of their lives. If they, if they're allowed when these players move away from home and all of a sudden they have a billet, but I remember like my billets were, were great. And I love Swift current. I have nothing negative to say about Swift current, but you know, curfew at 11 o'clock. Okay. I'm done practice at one 30. Well, guess what? Me and Mike hangan are hitting the town till 11 and doing whatever the hell we want with no supervision. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, and there wasn't, you know, so I, I mean, and then that carries on into when I came home in the summertime and everything. And then it just, it's a spiral out of control. And so when you let, when you just stop it right then and there, I think that's huge. And that makes that, that's like, I, if I ever have a kid playing junior, I want him to come play for you. And if I ever own a team or part of a team, I will make this part of the culture like has to be and I've, I've never really thought about that the no chewing the no everything I've never, I just Zero. I
1: never don't, want it, don't want it don't want to see it uh, there's a good ending to the story so the player now has done junior hockey right so he's now gone on in, into you know doing what he's doing and the, the best part about the story is when he sent me a message and thanked me for making him understand how bad it is and he's quit awesome that's great that, that in itself there you go that yeah. seed planted, Brady, made me go, you know what? The, this program is working.
0: Yeah. And that that's amazing, man. That's so cool, right? Sometimes they don't get it right away, but the yeah. fact that you know what I mean. And sometimes it's tough love and consequences. When when people are 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 faced with little or no consequences, nothing will change, in my opinion. You know, if something well, that's, that's,
1: yeah. you can let me just move
0: this over here. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see I, what does it say? Hold on. Let me see if I can pin
1: you. If nothing changes. Nothing changes. Oh, do it again. I got you solo now.
0: Okay. Yeah, now, yeah, nothing
1: changes. Nothing changes.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's and awesome. that that was from, as you know, AA and NA. And uh, I love the saying, you know, because it's I tell a person when I go, you know, I know. After I used, okay, I'm gonna stop. Well, guess what? Until I actually stop, nothing changed. And and you know, it's it's very simple. You know, we want we. I always go back to the gifts falling from the sky. And I tell you what, when I became completely sober, my life changed. And I encourage anybody who's who's smoking marijuana. And I'm not lecturing you right now. No, but no until no. you're be t- until you're completely sober and living the life. You know, drinking water, you know, uh, working out, uh, energy, ener- yeah, energy, 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 then things can really change in your life.
0: Well, you've, you've definitely got me thinking. And, and I'm, I'm not lying when I say I've been thinking about it like a lot. And I've been talking like a you know, to my girlfriend, sometimes Susan, I'll, I'll mention to her, you know, how I wanted to cut back. And I mean, she's one person that can tell you and and anybody else that's here, Susan, her son, Jason and her friend, Andrew here. And like, they'll tell you when I first got here just three weeks ago, I was, I was smoking quite a bit of weed. And like lately it's, you know, sometimes I even forget about it. And, you know, it's, you've got me thinking and and I'm already receiving some of these gifts, but I, and from the universe, which there's no doubt, but You've really painted a, a clear picture in my mind, Jim, because you know, my mind isn't. Oh, if you're if, you know, if you're under the influence, you're under the influence. Let's be honest, you know, I'm mean?
1: gonna take you serious, Brady. Who's like, you know, I, I get it with some people for pain and all these things going on and why they legalized it. I'm an experienced dope smoker. When I smoked dope, I was a dope. End of story, end of story, and I and I just because I know how. It's a depressant. I know how it made me feel friggin' paranoid. I felt this, I felt that. It just didn't, it did me no good. It was just, it, it put me into la la land where oh, I had, I, I I. was the biggest millionaire with all my business ideas when I was stoned. I used to sit back and go, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be awesome, right? And you go to bed and wake up and feel like crap and, and it's, it's, it's all a smoke show, right? So I experienced it and I can say wow. it because I know it. If you smoke dope, you're going to feel like a dope End of story.
0: I love it. And it makes,
1: it makes sense to me. actually,
0: I woke up because I, I did, I didn't smoke all day yesterday and I smoked a little bit, like just a little bit, not even a full joint at night. And I went to sleep. And the reason why I did it, I'll tell you, because I think I was smoking so much marijuana, Jim, that, I stopped for those days and I was not sleeping very good and sweating in my sleep. And I think, you know, I was Googling it and it does. It can cause, because obviously your body's still detoxing, whether you want to believe it or not, your body is detoxing and getting that stuff out. And so I I just tried it just to sleep. Sure, I slept good, but man, did I feel like shit this morning.
1: (laughs) You know, I was just telling, you know, it's fine, Brady. I was just telling somebody today they'd like to have their wine at night. I said, that's fine, but they're drinking a bottle at night. Okay, I said that's great. How do you feel in the morning? Well, you know, I just I, I I said it's mental. Even though you might feel you think normal, the depressing thoughts in your head that you just drank a bottle of wine for the fifth night in a row. What is that really doing for your your foundation and and your life? Right, like you know. And they like it's a great point because every morning I feel like I've cheated myself. I said it's an awful feeling. I woke up for you know. I'm 55. I've been sober going into my 13th year. I didn't get sober, Brady, till I was 41 years old. And when I tell these kids, you're 33, right? I got 22 years on you and great that you're stopping now. But I'm like, when you walk into that bush for 10 years, you got to walk out for 10 years. And it's a lot of garbage and demons and BS that we have to deal with. And stop it now because alcohol and drugs will ruin your life. End of story yeah Uh, well how like this is we're not you're not supposed to talk
0: about too much but are you still pretty active in the in the program as far as like aa and that kind of stuff did you do work that kind of i
1: i speak all over the place it's a very thank you for asking the questions i go to rehab places anybody who wants me to help if i'm available i'm going so i'm i'm you know i'm talking to covid obviously you know my hockey team and i go down to the homeless shelter a lot so with COVID and the lockdown here in Ontario it's difficult but I'm 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 there to tell anybody who needs a hand that's just the way it is now That's, that's an unreal. And that makes, that really warms my
0: heart to know that one year. So, you know what I mean? You make yourself available and to show lead by example, because, you know, obviously it like for me, when I can see somebody else leading by example, it makes it a lot easier. Um, And I think, you know, you're, you're, you're a really bright light in the hockey community, man, because, you know, there's, it's not easy stuff to talk about. And there's not too many people out there that are so open with their experiences. And I think, that might be because people are not really ready to to face the face the consequences and get honest. A lot of the times that that was the case for me, um, but you know. And also hearing that you take your team to the homeless shelter, that, that makes me feel good too because I know what it's like to be homeless. I was homeless for yeah. close to 10 months, close to 10 months. I was without a – like I'm talking like not couch surfing, not nothing. I was like straight up on the street, never spent a yeah. night inside for 10 months. I was living outside in tents and everything else. It was crazy. So, um, And if you know, if anybody thinks they're above that and it can't happen to them – uh, man, we're all human and we're all vulnerable uh, at different times. And, is, you know, and that's why I'm I, I hear I, I get excited when I hear you instilling these values. In your culture in the dressing room so that they can start on the right path right then and there without having any sort of hiccups later on, like go back to the things that they developed in hockey, like drinking or chewing or whatever. Well, now your hockey career is over and you're going through all that shit. Well, what's the first thing you're going to go to the drinking the chewing and everything else. And then we all know how that goes.
1: Yeah. yeah we know how it goes. You know, yeah, the, the, how do we want to get into the mouth cancer and chewing and how it's killing athletes today. And, you know the vaping, how it's killing people. Wow. And, and, and poison is poison. Poison is poison. You know, and and you know, there's life is very, very good. And that how you, how you know what you're putting in your your engine for. You know, I always say this. You know, what I put in my car every day, which is my body, and how I feel, is the most important thing to me, because I want to feel good. I, I've had the worst feelings ever, and I don't want to feel those ever again. And that's why today I'm sober and I'm I'm very blessed.
0: Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. I feel blessed that we uh, that I got that I that I know you and that I can that I can speak to you because honestly, man, uh, I think I needed this and I know I sent you a message the other day on Instagram. I don't know if you saw it, but like I I knew that about your story. Actually, Ryan directed me to you, um, but. And I just all this stuff was happening and I was moving and here and there and everything. And I never really actually uncovered the full details of your story and what you were doing. And I'm sure I would have if I wasn't in this dark hole for the last 10 years because you've been everywhere doing all this stuff. But guess what? I was nowhere but doing drugs. So I didn't see anything so much to the tune that I didn't even know my line mate from the American hockey league passed away from an overdose in 2017 when I was trying to get him on my podcast, Mitch Fadden, And that's what was the, the final, pretty much the final straw when I was like, Hey, something needs to happen. It's not going to be me, but I'm going to try here with puck support and get people talking. And it's seems to be, you know, working a little bit, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard go out there. It's an extremely hard go. And, uh, I do want to, I see now I forgot what I was saying because of my concussions, but I just see a comment coming in about Ryan. I was saying about your story and uh, you know, my dad also was like, sent me a message was like, you know, you really need to look into Jim Thompson. Uh, I think he can really help you. And he's like, Not so much on the podcast. I mean, really help you, he said. So I actually, that's what pushed me to uh, really uncover your story. So then when I was, I was listening to some of the stuff like that stuff I put in the beginning. That was the first thing I ever heard. And I'm just like, what the hell am I? Who is this guy? And wow. Like I literally went ran upstairs. I'm like, Susan. You got to see this. This guy's coming on my podcast. You're not going to believe this. I just played that that clip of you doing the coaching, that speech and stuff. And she just looks at me like, what the hell? Because all the stuff that we had just been talking about. So I truly believe that, you know, this happened at the right reasons or sorry, at the right time for the right reasons where you finally come on the show uh, and you, you know, you're going to help a lot of people with your words, but you really just, you know, got through to me like crazy. Like I'm really thinking about, you know. final steps that I need to take to
1: really get on the right path. Yeah I I I thank you for saying that Brady and I've been watching what you're doing and I watch everything that you know I sit back and I watch people I I'm on I'm on social media when I'm watching hockey and I follow what's going on especially people in our lifestyles and um you said it at the start of the show I got two tips for you before we go. One is quit smoking dope (laughs) and the second Stop swearing! Yes. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. We all know in the dressing room, f you know, we're we're, and I tell my guys in the room when I'm walking by or you am taking a uh, going to the bathroom taking a pee, and I hear this, you know, just in their conversation, f f f f f, and I said, guys, how is that attractive? Okay, you're going to get in. eventually, you're going to be a father. You're not yep. going to want to hear your kids saying it. Second, yep. you're going to get into the business world. Nobody. It, it takes that serious, right? I'm and I'm not here lecturing you. I'm just, I'm here to just say, I listen to your podcast. You're brilliant. You're bright. And soon as that work comes out, and then you're going, okay, like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I know. Still take, do I still take you serious? Yeah. And it, and it's constructive criticism that I, I, appreciate- I turn off a lot of podcasts because I don't like the language. And I'm not Mr. Goody Two Shoes here because <laughs> I don't need to hear it. I've listened to it all my life and I'm at a point now where I'm going, okay, I want to hear good conversation and we don't need it. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, you've got a great platform. Do not quit the podcast. You're doing a great job. You you bring up some great guests. You bring up great points. You're helping people. I'm going to be ordering some of your clothes because I believe in what you're doing. And you know, we always try to make each other better. And I tell people in my life, there's something going on. My kids keep saying, Dad, cut your hair, right? I'll tell you why my hair is so long. Do you know why my hair is so long? Why? Because I made a point that until I get a needle in my arm with the vaccine, I'm not cutting my hair. I haven't had a haircut in nine months, Brady. So until I get the double shot, even my wife's going, You summer's coming. Like you gotta, you know. I said, No, that's just my little game with myself, right? But anyway, my point is, you know billboard I call it the billboard with the kids who do you want to be how do you want people to look at you do you want them to take you serious yeah I want to take you serious I think you've got a brilliant thing going on and I think you're on your way to special things so I appreciate I helped that. you today I'll tell you this you've helped me because every time I get to talk about good things bad things whatever it makes me feel like I'm doing something good Man, you did. And
0: you know what these and I mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast. And and these are the two things, the two things that you gave me tips on. These are the two things that are that I know that I already know. But sometimes it takes someone to bring it to light. And sometimes it takes the right person yeah. to bring it to light. So. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I so I, I really appreciate it. I don't, you know, you don't have to worry about offending me. This is all stuff that I need to hear. And I that's what I love about you. You're authentic. You're real. You tell it how it is. And I'm actually, I want, before I let you go, I know you probably want to go too, but I have a couple questions coming in. But before we get to those questions, um, where is this one? Now I'm losing it. A guy is agreeing with you. Oh, there it is. Agree with Jim on toning down the language. It's definitely not needed. So people agree with you. Uh, Sandra, who's in charge of Puck Sport Mental Health and Addiction, Executive Director, she's saying thank you, Jim. Great tips for Brady. She's always working with me behind the scenes to try to get my message across the best possible way while remaining authentic. And I think that's, you know... I think going to jail, Jim, changed my language more than the hockey dressing room, more than anything. It was such a negative yeah, uh, stress. We want to talk about a high-stress environment where you're on guard all the time. Holy heck, that's yeah. a that's that's bad difficult.
1: Before that's we let go, I
0: do have a, a one question here from our buddy Ryan Phillips saying, if players don't feel safe in their environment, what do you expect? Hats off to healthy rules, good seeds. Oh, that's not a question. I read that wrong. What do you expect? But let, I have a question. I thought I'll ask the question that I thought it was. What do you like? What can players do if they're feeling unsafe in an environment from an owner's perspective? Like, what could a player do? Go, it's like
1: school. If there's a bully, go talk to an adult. Meaning, talk to your coach, talk to talk to your owner. Go in and say, listen, I can't. Be here if this is how this is going to continue. You can't go to the rink every day, Brady, on pins and needles and anxiety and expect to perform when you got, and I'm going to swear right now, you got an asshole in the corner who's a bully that's constantly picking on you. Okay? So, two things are going to happen. We talked about violence. You're either going to knock them out, which is not going to do you any good, or you're just going to build up this anxiety and all this is going to stop. And I tell every player this if you have a problem, Okay, you're not a mole. You're not a you're not, don't feel weak that you're coming to tell me. Walk into my office and you tell me what's going on. Now, in six years that I've owned this team, okay, I've had two situations that we quietly dealt with, and I'm gonna say this to you: we quietly dealt with by getting the bully out of the team. Yeah, okay. It was just a trickle-down effect without blowing it wide open, like, hey, we we paid attention, we got the information. This kid was undisciplined and thought he was funny by being an ass, well, guess what? Go be an ass somewhere else. That's
0: right. That's that's so
1: right. I, my advice to any young person, tell somebody in authority.
0: Yeah. And that's it's interesting you say that because, you know, I was so anti-authority. I wasn't actually, but the lifestyle I was living. And now I'm surrounded by law enforcement. Sandra's ex-law enforcement, another lady and her husband are in law enforcement that are involved. And also, I just had a conversation with one of the top, uh, uh, officers for the OPP she's in charge of the major crimes division as well as the overdose prevention unit she's also supporting what I'm doing so it's really cool and it just brings to light what you were talking about with actually you know getting rid of the the cannabis getting rid of the swearing and you know those might you know it's been a process I at the end of the day uh, it's been a journey the last year, but I'm always trying to get better. So I, you have no idea how much I appreciate you saying these things to me. And I, like I said, I don't get offended easily. Don't, be, don't get offended. Are, oh, don't get offended. No, not at all. I actually am. So I'm so happy to hear that because I look up to you. I have respect for you. I admire you. I see things in you that I want to have, you know what I mean? So I listen to you and I'm taking it all in buddy. So I appreciate it. Um, would you do this again? A
1: hundred percent. Cool. 100%. Listen, I I look at Brady. I, I watching what you're doing. I know that you're getting your feet. You're walking right now. You need to get running and you will get running and just, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep straight. I watch you making your clothes with the <laughs> uh, measuring tape around your neck. You know what? I admire it. I admire it. And that hard work, you know, I'm going to send you a message. I'm going to order for my, I'm going to order some clothes for you, right, from yeah, you, story, that. because I love I love the whole fact that you, you've got a, a platform. It means something. Yeah, I don't like swearing, but I love the fact, you know, puck addiction, uh, you know, puck support, this sort of thing, because it's who we are. That's right. So keep doing what you're doing. Jim, thank you so much. And before we let you go, you guys can check out more
0: about Jim Thompson, jimthompsondreams.com um he's on social media everywhere and uh hopefully we can get together once this uh, world gets back to normal we because will. i'm an events guy i want to do some some i want to raise some money for for some people that need it and need support and uh have some fun while we do it and just start to really talk about the things that people don't uh, necessarily want to talk about but i truly believe we need to talk about these things jim
1: 100 listen couldn't i couldn't be happier that i was on with you today thank you for having me to all your fans and all your supporters and everybody who's backing you, Danny Probert, all these things, I, I'm just here to help you. Thank you so much, my friend. I thank truly you. appreciate it, Jim. Okay,
0: thank you very I'll much. See you, man. Okay, bye bye. Wow. Pretty awesome, dude. That guy is no question about it. I am not surprised one bit. I do my research. I also have my dad telling me, Ryan telling me, um, what I knew, I knew exactly, uh, not exactly, but I, you know, pretty impressed. Uh, that was maybe like one that hit home hard for me. I think cause him and I have a lot of, a lot of similarities. I mean, a lot of differences too, but a lot of similarities. And that's what I see nowadays is the similarities in people instead of trying to make myself different than everybody else. Cause we're really not that much different. Uh, when you look at the big picture and, uh, he made a couple of really good points, things that I've been thinking about and and talking about, but you know, really starting to to implement these things in my life and starting to make a plan. So it's, you know, it's a process, and I just want to say thank you to everybody um, for supporting me these past few months. It's you know, it's been a lot of fun for me. It's been challenging, um, but it's certainly been worth it. I want to give a very special shout out to. Chase Driscoll down there in Arizona, happy birthday. Chase is 15 today. Happy birthday Chase. Uh hope it's a good one. Look forward to the day when we can finally hop on the ice together. Um put in some work. Uh big things for you, buddy. Going forward, we have some big announcements coming, of course, from Puck Support. Uh stay tuned on that. Uh going to have some help hopefully on the podcast too. I met one of Chase's friends, Will, yesterday. Um, or sorry, Wes, not Will. Will is his stepdad. Wes, sorry, Wes. Uh, and the two of them, Chase and uh, Wesley there, put together a little Zoom meeting for me with a little proposal. And uh, it was super cute. Uh, but above anything, I was blown away because they're just young men. Uh, and they handled it like they were... <laughs> You know, not me when I was 14, 15 years old, I'll tell you that much. So, uh, to bring them in and, and give them a chance and uh, get them talking and hopefully get some of the youth involved, uh, that excites me. That excites me. Uh, if you're watching this and you're struggling, you're never, ever alone. I don't care if you're drinking, doing drugs, you're depressed, you have anxiety, you're. Having suicidal thoughts, I can promise you, you're not alone. Um, I've been there. I've been to all those places I just talked about. And uh, I know what it's like to feel alone. And, you know, I didn't really have anybody that I looked up to through my addiction or through my problems that was letting me know that, you know, that I wasn't alone. And I'm not saying I'm special, I'm just saying that. I mean it when I say it, you know, if you need to talk to me, reach out to me. I'll make time to talk. If you're not connecting with me, I will find somebody that can help you, but you have to want to help yourself. And before you call me, before you want to talk to me, I need you to answer this question. Are you ready to really get honest because like you, we said on this podcast, if you're not ready to get honest, then you're not just wasting your time, but you're wasting time of others that and resources that could be going to other people. That's not to say don't try, but if you're not ready to get honest and you know it, you know there's nothing I can or anybody else can do for you, and that's the honesty God truth. I'm going to tell it how it is. But if you're ready to get honest. Um, like a couple people have that have reached out to me. I won't choose your names. You know who you are. Um, it's it's, you know, there's hope. There's always hope. Um, just because I say, get honest, that doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you're doing right there then in that second. It's just about not being a liar to to yourself or others. and and it comes that's what it came down to for me, and I think that is probably my biggest piece of advice. So that's my rule, unless you're ready to get honest. I mean, I'm here, I mean, I'll try to talk to you, but I don't really have a whole lot of time for people that want to beat around the bush and not be honest. And that's me being honest. Sorry if I'm blunt, sorry if I sound like a butthole. Notice how I didn't swear. But seriously, on a serious note, please, you're never alone, you're never ever alone. But it's time to get honest if you're struggling. That's my advice. Anyways, guys, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not banned from Twitter. We got Twitter. We got Instagram. We got Facebook. But I still have no live... Facebook video rights. Hopefully we get those back soon. Maybe we'll start pumping the podcast back up on Facebook. Who knows? But if you watch live on YouTube, thank you so much. Remember to subscribe to the channel. Turn on the little notification button. If you're listening to this on audio, hell, even if you're watching this live, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Rate me. Review me. If you think I suck, let me know I suck. If you liked it, let me know you liked it. Thank you so much for watching. Hello to all my family back home. I'll start crying if I don't shut up. I miss you guys. I love you. Brooklyn and Brody, I think about you all the time. I hope you enjoy your presence from the Vancouver Canucks. No pressure, though. No pressure. I just hope you enjoy them. Absolutely no pressure. I swear to God. Just doing that So because I knew you guys like those hockey players and, and maybe it's cool that you guys have some signed autographs. I could really care less if you guys ever knew it even came from me. I just want you guys to have them. So, like I said, hello to all my family. Uh, I'm looking forward to spending some time with the kids in Taylor soon. Hopefully get back on the ODR. Come on, let's go. Get out with the Jennings kids, do some coaching. It's all happening. Look for puck support swag coming very soon. I promise it will be launched by the weekend, unless there's a disaster and let's hope that doesn't happen. So check it out. If you're watching live or listening to my podcast, I'll give you a little tip. The Puck shop's actually open right now, but there's just no pictures of the hats and a couple of the items. I just haven't posted it. But if you want to get a jump and you want to order like a hoodie or something, the ones we have available, you can go to pucksport.com right now. If you look, there's a menu, press it, go to the shop. We do have some items on there. The store is open. Um, Just don't buy a hat because I don't even know what they look like yet, to be perfectly honest. Uh, So I'm going to add the Puck Addiction shirt on there right away. Uh, Hoodies, long sleeves, T-shirts. We got hats coming. We got youth stuff. We have a toddler T-shirt. Hopefully, we'll have more stuff down the road. But we're getting – oh – We're getting crap done. Notice how I didn't swear again. Okay, guys, have an awesome week. We're back here again Sunday, 4 p.m., and again next Wednesday, 4 p.m., with, once again, Mr. Chris Dingman. That's right. He's back to tell us some more stories next Wednesday. Stay tuned. I don't know who's going to be on Sunday. There's a couple possibilities, so I will make the announcement shortly. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, guys, have a great day
1: if you so choose.